Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Series on healing, we talked about it um, last month. So it's going to be um, extensive, and it's going to be very detailed. While, um, while I'm editing the messages, I, I discover that I, it's like I'm, I'm talking very fast, I'm rushing through the scriptures, so I don't know how you cope. Uh, <laughs> uh, I hope the things you write are the things that I'm saying. Because when I'm listening to the messages, trying to edit them, I discover that I'm talking very, very fast. and reading all the scriptures very fast. So, um, I'll, try, I'll try to go slowly. Um, it's just that it's like I start slowly and when I get high, I go very high. Okay, so <laughs> I'll try to go very slowly and just make sure that you follow the scriptures. I'll encourage you to come with your notes. Um, I would want us not to go with the slide. I just want us to be a little bit detailed with what we do. Just take these things a little bit more serious. Uh, so if you are without a note and a Bible, service might be a little bit uncomfortable. Um, but make sure that you have something to document and something to write. I want to talk about healing and I want to be... Um, a little detailed about it, meaning that I would, um, for instance, when we start talking about sicknesses, I would try to show you about 16 sicknesses mentioned in the Bible that God healed. So it's, it's going to take almost like the format of a Bible class. Uh, it's not just um, teaching you healing so you can just receive your healing. Is about you having a total understanding of the concept. Is that okay? So that's the approach that we want to take. So I'd like to start from where does sickness come from? So that's, where I'll, that's what I'll teach tonight. The source of sickness. Where does sickness come from? Now, let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. And we'll find something there. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to read verse 31. Genesis 1, 31. There was a scripture I was... Myself and my dad were talking about it. We spent almost like 40 minutes talking about it. Because there's a perspective that I understand the scripture. And there's a perspective that he understands it also. So we're just exchanging our views regarding that particular verse of scripture. And I'm going to touch on it as we, uh, as we progress because when you, uh, when you read a translation of the Bible and for instance a particular word is, uh, is not translated properly or the punctuations are not put in properly, you will discover that you can take that scripture at the face value and it will mean something else from what it meant originally. So it's very important for us to 
to, we must understand something about scriptures, is that it was designed to be studied. That's something. The Bible wasn't just designed to be read. It was designed to be what? To be studied. And studying doesn't mean that you just read a passage of scripture and say, ah, you know, for instance, they say, uh, and, and the power of God was released. And I say, oh, the power of God was released. I've gotten the rema. The power of God will be released on my behalf. You know, sometimes what we call rema is just uh, an emotional perspective to scriptures. That's the truth. Some of the things we call rema. For instance, you know, sometimes they pray, they say, um, God sent the word to Jacob and he lighted upon Israel. You know, and people pray that. But if you read from different translations of the scripture, that thing was actually almost referring to a curse. It's not a good thing. You know, but you just read one translation of the scripture and you run with it. So it's important also that in studying healing, that we are a little bit more detailed. Okay? We're a little bit more detailed. For instance, you'll hear uh, a minister say, for, for example, that uh, a believer cannot be sick. Okay? Now pay attention and be... Uh, listen to my words. You say, a pastor say, a believer cannot be sick. Now, a believer shouldn't be sick. It's different from a believer cannot be sick. Am I right? Yeah. Because we find that even Apostle Paul left one of his soldiers and said the man was sick. So, it a believer shouldn't be because there are redemptive, um, there are redemptive rights to healing, you know. But the, sometimes the way we go about teaching healing, it makes it, um, how do I put it? We we get ashamed sometimes. Now, when we are sick, we get ashamed to own up. Because we feel that it's almost like we are becoming an embarrassment to the church. So you discover that, for instance, the pastor of a church can be sick. And then they hide it from everyone until he dies. And later you find out that the man was sick. But probably because of the dispositions of the teachings and the perspective he has brought, it will not be almost like a thing of shame to say that the person was sick. Now, is sickness the perfect will of God for anyone? No. But what I'm trying to say is that if we understand Scripture um, completely, then we can have a proper understanding of situations. For instance, if we know the sources of sickness, if we know the sources of sickness, then we can now be able to um, deal with them accordingly. Is that alright? So, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31 gives us a perfect plan. Genesis, 31, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31. Then God saw everything that he had made. Past tense, had, means everything he had finished creating. And indeed, it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So we discovered that in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31, that God had finished creation. And he saw that everything, everything that he had made was good. So that means, and of course, there's no one who will agree with me that sickness is good, except you have not been sick before. And one of the reasons you know sickness is not good is the day you fall sick, that's the day they cook all the nice food in the house. You understand that? Have you had that kind of experience? 
They never took milk. They never ate egg until the day you had malaria. And then when you couldn't eat, then they are offering you this thing. So you know it's not good. Okay? So that means that everything in creation, Genesis chapter 1, was perfect. God saw that everything was good. So if God saw that everything was good, it ultimately means that sickness was not part of that good thing. So we can understand that. Alright. Now, if you go to Genesis chapter 2, and you see the creation of Adam, the forming of Adam, um, the only thing God said was not good there was what? Adam being without a wife. Okay? He says it's not good for man to be alone. So Genesis chapter 1 verse 31, we see God seeing everything and saying it's, everything is good. Genesis chapter 2, we see God saying, oh, something is not good there. And it was specific about that, that Adam needed a help meet. Um, the word there is not help meet. The word is help meet. Help M-E-E-T. Which is an old English word for a helper that fits or that is suitable. Alright? A helper that fits or that is suitable. It's an old King James word called, uh, which actually means a, a helper that is qualified. Okay. Now, in Genesis chapter 3, we found what we call uh, the fall of man. Which means at the point where man sinned. And the fall of man actually was a fall from relationship. That's very important. Man didn't fall from heaven. Man didn't fall from any outer space. Man fell from relationship. Now, Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 can give us a very perfect picture of God's original intention. And that's very important. Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 can give us uh, the, the mind of God for creation from the beginning. And if you see, the mind of God for man at the beginning was fellowship. The Bible says that God comes in the cool of the evening and fellowship with Adam, trusted Adam to name the animals. And there was this union with God and there was this fellowship with God. Now, because of the kind of fellowship, that's very important now, because of the kind of fellowship that Adam had with God, and because Adam carried the very life of God, there was something on the physical body of Adam, which was immortality, which was the glory of God. Okay? So the glory of God is not just smoke. You know, sometimes when we talk about the glory of God, we just think about smoke, we think about, you know, dark clouds and all that. No, the glory of God is actually that invisible presence and covering that God had on Adam in the beginning. So Adam actually had an immortal life. And this immortal life was breathed onto his spirit and passed to his soul and down to his body. So his body carried the very life of God. And because Adam's body carried the very life of God and the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, according to what Paul says, was walking in Adam, it was impossible for sickness to get into Adam. That's the, it was impossible for sickness to get into Adam because life was walking in Adam. And that is God's intention for us, to be so full of life that it's actually impossible for sickness to get into our mortal bodies. Now, when Adam sinned and transgressed or broke the law, God said to him that the day you do this, you shall surely die. That's important. Now, when he told him that he will surely die, 
we understand very clearly. Let, let, let's read something. I'll come back here. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. We'll come back to Genesis. Go with me to First Thessalonians chapter 5. And I want to read from verse um, 23. And essentially, it talks about God preserving us, spirit, soul, and what? And body unto the coming of our Lord. But what, the word I want you to pick there is preservation. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. May, God, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved. Blameless. Now, most times when we teach these within the context of the local church, we always teach it regarding our spirits. The preservation of our spirits and the preservation of our soul. And we tend to leave out the preservation of our bodies. You know, we tend to... Some people can be very strong in their spirit and strong in their soul about the things that God is giving. And there's a way we tend to neglect our body and we feel that the life of Christ that we have received do not really um, need to or affect our bodies. But here, I want you to note the preservation he talks about. That the preservation should be what? Everybody? One? Spirit. Let's say spirit. Soul. And bodies. Okay, so your body is important to God. Your body is important to God. Because your body houses your spirit. You know, you are not your black body or your fair body or your brown body or your chocolate body or your whatever body. You are actually a spirit. So your body is what houses the what? The spirit. So the real you is your spirit. Okay. Now, but I, 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 I want to point out to you that God is concerned about your physical body and the well-being of that body. Because he calls your body the very temple of God. What, what does that mean? It means that you are the place that God dwells. He lives in you. And so, if God lives in you, he is not just going to live in your spirit and neglect your body. Because without your body, there will be no house for the spirit. Hello? Alright? So, if God is living in you, God is not just going to be concerned about your spirit. Because if you don't have a body, okay, you cannot function on the earth. Your body is the, um, the substance with which you interact with the earth. Without a physical body, you cannot interact with the earth. That's why uh, demons need to possess um, uh, people. Because it's when they possess people, then they can now function. Okay? That's why also praying that evil spirits should fall and die, absolutely is, is nonsense. Because spirits do not die. They just leave one body and possess, possess what? Another body. Okay? All right. Okay? So, even if the physical body dies, goes off, corrupts, the spirit can exchange bodies. Okay. So, God is concerned about your physical body. And that's very important. I want you to understand that. Don't just say, oh, yeah, I know, I know. No, no. I want you to understand that. 
And that knowledge alone can be very instrumental when you are dealing with sickness in your body. If you know that God is concerned about my body and there's sickness in this body, then that cannot be the will of God because God wants to preserve my body blameless. Is that okay? Come on, are we together? Okay, I just want to make sure you're following me. All right. First Thessalonians 5.23 talks about the preservation of our spirit, our soul, and our bodies. So our bodies are important to God. That's why it talks about offering them as living sacrifices. In 3 John 2, it says, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health. Now, be in health there cannot just talking about spiritual health. It can also be referred to as what? Bodily health. We're looking this evening, we're, we're taking it gradually, we're looking at the source of sickness. So, we understand in Genesis chapter 1 verse 31 that everything that God made, let's go back to Genesis now, everything that God made was good or is good. And Genesis chapter 2, the only thing that was not good was that a man did not have a woman. Okay. So that shouldn't be the revelation you cast tonight and say, what's the only thing you learned today in church? Say, it's not good for a man to be alone. That's <laughs> okay. So, God provided Eve to help Adam. Now, in Genesis chapter 3, when man fell, and like I explained before we got on to 1 Thessalonians and 3 John, was that man fell from a relationship with God. I, I want you to, I'm, I'm emphasizing that, I'm emphasizing the word relationship. Because one of the things that can keep you in divine health is an active relationship with God. Because as you commune with God, the very essence of God's life comes upon your mortal body. When Moses went up to the tabernacle, uh, went up to the mountain and was communicating with God, after about 40 days when he came, the Bible says that his face was shining. There was glory in his face. And all Moses needed to do was to keep talking with God and keep talking with God and keep talking with God. And what was happening, uh, the characteristics and the nature of God was rubbing off on him. Remember, in the Old Testament, God could not live in them. He had to be upon them. That's why you read most times in the Old Testament, the Bible says, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson. God could not live in them because they were not righteous. Okay. They couldn't be righteous because the blood of animals could not was not a proper was not an equivalent sacrifice of atonement. That's what we'll talk about on Sunday as the atonement that Christ paid for our bodies. But I want us to look at the issue of the mortal glory of God, the, the glory of God on our mortal bodies. So when Moses when Moses went up to God and was communicating with God, the very life of God was impacting Moses' physical body, physical body. His face was shining. Okay, so that means that the presence of God can impact our bodies. You know, sometimes when we lay hands on people, although some people take it as a sign of the glory of God, but you know, sometimes when we lay hands on people and they fall down under the presence of God, it's the presence of God impacting on their natural body to the extent that they, could not, they cannot stand. That's what, it, that's what that means. So, that means the glory of God can have effects on the natural body of a man. So, but then, the life that Adam had was from within. So, when Adam uh, sinned and the relationship was cut off, God says, from that day you shall surely die. But, 
I want you to observe something. Uh, the first thing that Adam saw was that he was naked. So God asked him, who told you you were naked? So that means that that nakedness that Adam had, of course, when I say I'm naked, that means I'm exposed. Am I right? Talk to me now. Am I right? Okay. So that means the nakedness that Adam had was the point of death. At that point of spiritual death, the glory of God also lifted from his mortal body. He became exposed. And now, anything can get into Adam. So what happened is that when Adam died spiritually, he was separated from God. And the glory even on his mortal body. You know, sometimes when you look at ministers, there are certain ministers that emphasize, that teach a lot. I want you to observe this. Go, go. You can go home and do your own research. I might be wrong, but this is my own research. And until you prove me wrong, I'm right. Okay. If you look at ministers that teach a lot about prayer, not, not those kind of prayer, right prayer, that teach a lot about the Holy Spirit, if you watch them carefully, they always glow. There is something about them that just makes them glow. And the reason is because they actually really spend time communicating and fellowshipping with God. It was said of William Abraham before he went into some of the teachings that he was teaching whilst he was a prophet of God, that at certain meetings you would see like a halo over his head. That was exactly the glory of God. You know, it was said of Peter that his shadow would fall on people in the streets. So, obviously, it wasn't just talking about the physical shadow of Peter. I don't have time to explain that. But it actually was referring to the glory of God around Peter that fell on people and caused them to be healed. So, if I am Peter and I'm walking this way and the glory of God around me touches this man and this man is healed, it also means that that glory can prevent the sickness from getting to me in the first place. So that means that Peter carried within his mortal body, that's my emphasis, within his mortal body, the glory of God. So it's possible for your mortal body to carry the fullness of the presence of God that makes it impossible for you to be sick. But I'll talk about other sorts of sickness because in the scripture we find people who knew God who were sick. So I'll give you the reasons for that. All right. Now, when sin came into the world, the Bible says, death passed upon all men. Let's quickly read that, and I'll come back to Genesis. Romans chapter 5. Go with me to Romans chapter 5. I just want to be very deliberate about this series, and I hope that it helps us. Romans chapter 5 and verse 2. Um, sorry. Verse 12 to 14. Romans 5, 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, what man was that? What man is he referring to? Adam. The first Adam. And death through sin. So, I'm the man. I carry the presence of God. I carry the relationship with God. And I sin. So, death entered into the human race. With, through me. And through that death, the permission was given uh, to sin, sorry, permission was given to death. So we understand, and this is where 
sometimes I have a little bit of challenge with what we teach certain times. We understand that death is not God's original plan. God calls death an enemy, not a pathway to heaven. Jesus refers to himself as the way, not death. Okay, so I'll just pause there. So it goes on to say, For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. When he says from Adam to Moses, it is not referring to the fact that death just stopped after Moses. No. Moses here is figurative of the law. That means um, uh, from Adam to when the law came, death was functioning. Okay, even those who had not seen according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who, who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man Jesus Christ abounded to many. So let's leave that whole theology alone. But what he was trying to say is that the factor called death came through the sin of Adam. So, sin opened the way for death. And that's very, very, very important that you understand that. Now, but when you go to um, Genesis, let's go to Genesis now. Genesis, let's go back there now. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. So that's what God told him. Genesis 3, 17. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of, of which I command you, saying, You shall not eat of, cost is the ground and all that and all that, and all, I mean, just began to release the course. And Adam was driven out of the garden. Alright. Now, if you take time, I don't know if, how many of you have read it, but if you take time to read my book on walking in the blessing, I spend time to talk about the... Um, the age of man, when Moses lamented in Psalm 90 and talked about man ought to live for 70 years. Uh, now, a lot of people teach that as that is God's um, mark for us. That's not, what, that's not God's mark for us. Psalm 90 was a lamentation of Moses. It wasn't David that wrote Psalm 90. It was Moses lamenting. It was a lamentation of Moses. But Psalm 91 is the cure for Psalm 90. I will spend time to teach that. But Psalm 90 was a lamentation. Psalm 91 was divine response to Psalm 90. So in Psalm 91, it talks about the protection we have in God. And in the last verse of Psalm 91, it says, With long life will I satisfy him. That means Psalm 91, the last verse, is the answer to Psalm 90, where it says the numbers of man are 70, 70, uh, day, 70 years. Alright? Okay. But what I want you to pick essentially here is that through this sin factor, death entered. So Adam was not exposed. But very interestingly, because Adam had so much of the life of God within him, he didn't even naturally die until hundreds of years later. So that means that it, it was like, the more, it, it's like, the, it's like I'm teaching you now how to stay alive, right? I'm teaching you, you're learning. It's almost like Adam had to learn to die. Because in his DNA, it wasn't there. So you found out, this is what you found out. That the, if you go back to scriptures, people were living longer and living longer 
and living longer. And it's like the more people live, the shorter their life became. It wasn't as if the power of God was reduced. It was just that people began to be more trained in the area of death more than life. Okay. Am I clear? Okay. So, uh, go to Genesis chapter 5. Verse 3. Genesis chapter 5, verse 1. Please just follow me. I'm trying my best to be... I'm very excited in my spirit. But I'm trying to calm down. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. Talking about Adam, right? In the day God created man, he made him in the in likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind. In the day they were created. Talking about the, the Genesis chapter 1 uh, and chapter 2 story. Verse 3, look at this. And Adam lived 130 years and begot his son in his own likeness. After his own image and named him Seth. Now because Adam had the same creative powers that God had, which was primarily through reproduction. That's the way you can create in your image and likeness. What happened? The, the children that Adam gave birth to were no longer after the image of God. They were now after the image of what? Of Adam. So for you to now become after the image of God, you now have to be born again. So if you are now born again, then now you cannot say that you are in God's image. But if you are not born again, then you are in the image of whoever gave birth to you. Okay. John chapter 1. We'll come back to Genesis. John chapter 1. And verse... Verse 11, quickly, to 13. He came to his own... John chapter 1, 11. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him to them, he gave the right, the legal authority, to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born. Now look at this. Not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So when a man becomes born again, he now has the legal right to have the same life that Adam had in the beginning before the fall. That's what we read in Romans. That just by as one man, death came into the world, so also by these other men, life came into the world. So that means that as children of God, we shouldn't have the expectations of the natural man. So there's Ebola everywhere. We don't expect to get it. We walk in wisdom. But we don't expect it. Why? Because now we're born again. Now DNA has changed. Now the life of God is in us. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, Genesis chapter 5. Now let's go back there. Genesis chapter 5 and... So we're looking at the source of sickness. If I can get this, then I can rush the other things and then we can, we can see it through that we wrap up. Verse 4, quickly. And after he begot said, the days of Adam were 800 years and he had sons and daughters. So let's look at this. Adam lived, he lived up to 130. You know, it was like he had a honeymoon for 130 years. And he now looked at his wife and said, ah, we're 130. Let's, let's have a child. So they started thinking of having a child by 130. And they gave birth to Seth. Right? Now when you're 25, you're looking at the calendar. Oh, we like to give birth. Because you've been trained. You've been trained to believe more in death. You know? Like I said casually, they'll tell you, get married on time. 
So that at least before you die, you would have finished training your children. Motivation for marriage, death. Build a house in your village. So that when you die, they'll have somewhere to bury you. Motivation for building the house, death. It's almost like we're looking forward to death. You know, you hear people even say, I'm doing this so that when I'm no more here, my children will have something. Just planning. So death becomes the central motivation for our living instead of life. So at 130, Adam thought to have a child, and they had a child. He lived another 800 years and had sons and daughters. So Adam lived 930 years, almost a, a thousand years. Just the life of God. Remember, Adam lived this way. No medical science, no surgery, no pharmacy, no research. Just the life of God. Seth lived 105 years and begot Enosh. Enosh lived 807 years and had sons and daughters. Seth 912 years and he died. So Adam, 930. Seth, 912. Okay, then he begot Canaan. Enos lived 815 years. So when you watch, the years began to reduce until he got to Methuselah. <laughs> Funny man, he broke the record. He didn't do anything. He just lived to break the record. And then people started coming down. People started coming down. People started coming down. What was actually happening? What was actually happening? It's more like the knowledge of the life of God was not there anymore. People got into fear. People got into studying and learning more about these things and their knowledge began to just increase. And death came upon the human race. So, we can say that the primary source of sickness is sin. Through sin, sickness gains its way into the human race. Now, our time is short, but let me go through Three things, maybe four or five things here. <laughs> Luke chapter 5. And um, Luke chapter 5, verse 23. Luke chapter 5 and verse 23. Now, if you, if you, when we study some of the sicknesses, we'll get there in the series as we... I'll really urge you to please make sure you're available throughout this month, Wednesdays, Sundays... I'll just force to be able to finish what I have. We used to do it both days. And when we're done, also get the teachings and listen to them over and over again because um, it's very important. In Luke chapter 5, verse 23, now, you, if you read, um, when we start talking about the sicknesses that God healed, you will see that Luke, uh, that if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll find a difference in the writings of Luke. Now, Luke is a medical doctor, so sometimes the sicknesses mentioned in Luke were more descriptive because he knew what, was, uh, what he was writing about. So sometimes the other apostles would just write, the man was sick, and uh, Luke might write, he was sick of palsy. He would, he would mention the specific disease. So you find a little bit of that difference in the writings of Luke. So Luke chapter 5 and verse 23 Remember the man that they dropped down, right? The man that was paralyzed. They dropped him down. And Jesus saw their faith and said, Man, your sins are forgiven. Now, uh, in verse 23, the, 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 the Jews were reasoning. So in verse 23, it says, Which is easier to say? 
Your sins are forgiven to you or to say rise up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who has been paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. So when Jesus looked at this man, the first words he said to him were not, son be healed. He says your sins are forgiven. And when his sins were forgiven, the healing power of God got into him. So that means that the sickness was as a result of sin. So when the sin factor was taken away, sickness could not stay because the sickness was resting on that sin factor. So if you look at the book of Psalms, it says, Who has forgiven us all our iniquities and healed all our diseases. So sin is the number one entry point of sickness into the human race. That's why also we believe that when we walk in righteousness, that very life of God prevents sickness from getting into our mortal body. Why? Because now there is no basis for that sickness to do what? To remain. Are we clear on that? Talk to me now. Are we clear on that? Okay. So, Mark chapter 9. So, number 1 is sin. Mark chapter 9 verse 25. Mark chapter 9 verse 25. Thank you, Father. Uh, this, this guy had a, 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 a disease. Okay. Verse 20. Then they brought him to, they brought him, to him. The, the sick boy, and when he saw immediately the spirit convulsed and he fell on the ground and warmed, foaming at his mouth and all that. And verse 25, when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit saying, death and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, Conversed him greatly and came out of him and he became as one dead so that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he had come into his house, the disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So when they brought this guy to Jesus, right, they said, oh, this guy is deaf and is dumb. And Jesus looked at it and said, well, to the medical doctor or to the natural man, he's deaf and dumb. But actually, the source of his deafness and his dumbness is a spirit. So Jesus casted out that spirit and the boy could hear. So, we could, we, so you would know that if they take that boy to any medical center, they will not be able to do anything about him. Because that was actually a demonic affliction. It was caused by an evil spirit. Okay, so number one, What's number one source of sickness? Sin. Number two, demons. Demonic afflictions. Okay. Somebody says, so how did demons come? No, no, just focus on Jesus Christ. Alright. <laughs> it will solve that. Now, number four, number three, uh, Philippians chapter two. We'll do, okay, I think we can do about two more, then we close. Philippians chapter two. So we've identified sin, we've identified uh, demons, okay? Are all sicknesses caused by sin? No. Because we know in John chapter 9, when they ask uh, Jesus, is it because of the mother's sin, all these boys' sin, that this guy is sick? He said no. So we know all sicknesses are not caused by sin. Are all sicknesses demonic attacks? No. 
All sicknesses cannot be demonic attacks. Why? Philippians chapter 2. We don't just think so, we know so. Why? The word of God tells us exactly that. Philippians chapter 2 verse 25 to 30. Yet I consider it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier. Philippians 1.25, right? Okay? But your messenger, the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for you all, and was distressed, because you heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also in, on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. So we see that uh, the... Um, uh, Paul's uh, assistant or messenger was sick, Epaphroditus. And the reason, as you study the background of the scripture and the church history books and all that, was because of stress, the work of the ministry. The stress. You know, remember then, if you needed to take letters to the church in Rome, you couldn't buy tickets online from Wakanao. Of course, there was no wakanao.com when Paul was there. So they had to go by road. So they had to go by horses, camels, and all that. And that could put a physical strain upon the body. So a believer can be sick out of stress. You can walk so hard and your body breaks down. It's not sin. It's not a demonic attack. Is what? It's stress. That's why, please listen very carefully to this. That's why God instituted the Sabbath. The Sabbath was God's instruction for them to rest their physical bodies so they could regain their bodies after about 400 years of slavery. So God, if I, God had to put a law for man to rest. And you know some of us now, you know the reason we don't rest? Because there is no law. You should place a Sabbath on yourself. There should be days in your life where you just rest. If God instituted the Sabbath, He's a wise God. You should have a Sabbath. You should have a Sabbath day. It shouldn't be Sunday morning. <laughs> Some other days, oh, Pastor, I was not in church on Sunday morning. Why were you? Sir, it's my Sabbath, sir. No, it can't be your Sabbath. <laughs> if you were not in church, you wouldn't hear about Sabbath. So you have to show up. Alright? So God told them, told them to rest. So you can actually get sick out of stress. And that is not sin. That is not demonic attack. So we cannot look at every sickness and say it's sin. We cannot look at every sickness and say, oh, that's a demon. Some have to do with what? We just rest it. Alright, okay. Then, uh, wrong diet. You know somebody actually had dysentery in the Bible? Acts chapter 28 verse 8. You know what causes dysentery? Wrong water and all that. I was going through this and I saw about 16 sicknesses that, that were recorded in scriptures. We're going to go through all of them and just see how God took care of all of them. It's just good to know them. Acts 28 verse 8. Acts 28 8. And it happened that the father of Peblos lay sick of fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed and he laid his hands on him and healed him. So fever, dysentery mentioned there. And you know we all, I mean, naturally we should all know what causes this entry. Sure not demons, can be seen, wrong water, bad diet. So wrong hygiene or wrong um, hygiene habits or wrong diet can cause sickness. Alright? So wrong diet can cause sickness. Uh, that's why, again, I'll try to wrap up because of our time. That's why, again, Paul... Uh, and God had to instruct them in the book of Leviticus what to eat and what not to eat. 
that the instruction of God to them about what to eat and what not to eat is actually uh, it's, it's actually saying it's almost like God's medical recommendation for them. Right? It's like saying, don't eat this, eat this, don't eat this, don't eat this. It's, it's not just because of the spiritual implication, but also what? The physical implication. Now, this is where believers also now get it wrong. And then believers now come and teach diet as the means of long life. That's where they get it wrong. It's not the means of long life. God's word is the means of long life. It's just common sense to eat the right stuff. Okay? You can't just go drinking everything, eating everything, you know, everything they present before you. You should have the ability to say, no, I don't want to eat this, just out of choice and out of eating right in protecting the temple of God. So, these are some of the causes of, uh, of sickness. So, you talk about that uh, wrong diet. So, that's one of the reasons Paul told Timothy to take a little wine for his stomach's sake. Uh, if, you, if you study that within the context of biblical church history, the water was actually giving Timothy uh, health issues. And so that was like the remedy that Paul gave to him. I say, Pastor, thank you, sir. The water in my compound is now time to take it. Don't, no, no, don't do that. You know, so Paul had to make that recommendation. So sometimes you find out that people are sick because of wrong diet. And you pray and pray and pray and pray and nothing is happening. And you just change what they eat or change how they live. And they just, that sickness goes. So we know that's not demon. We know that's not sin. You know, we know that's not stress. We know it's just wrong hygiene or wrong um, way of living. Lastly, um, because of time, physical ailments can come as a result of old age. So Genesis chapter 27 verse 1. Just write the scriptures down, please. Genesis 27 1. Genesis 48 10. And 2 Samuel 19 35. Right? Genesis 27, 1, Genesis 48, 10, Gen- uh, 2 Samuel 19, 35. If you read all of this scripture, it just says that uh, because he was growing old, their eyes were dim. That means their old age contributed to their eyes being dim. Now, let me explain this. This can also, or not can, this has also been reversed in Christ. So you find these, these accounts basically in the Old Testament. You don't find them reporting about anybody after the cross, about, you know, getting deemed and all that. So it, it doesn't also mean that we accept the fact that the older we get, the more we should be sick. No, I'm just giving you an example of people that can be sick as a result of old age. It doesn't mean that we got to go that way. Why? Because the Lord can renew our strength like that of an eagle. You understand that? So this is an example. It's, it's an example for us to learn from, not to be like. There are two examples in scriptures. There are examples that you be like, and there are examples you learn from. You can't say, well, who is your mentor in scripture? He says, Samson and Delilah. I just like the way... Ah, their love story is very... No, no, you can't... You, it can't be your mentor. Something can't be your mentor. I say, who is your marriage role model? He says, Solomon the wiser, sir. No, you can't... Solomon can't be your marriage model. Do you understand? So there are examples in scriptures to learn from, not to be like. So old age, sicknesses that come as a result of old age, naturally your cells are gone, you know, no flu, bodies going and all that, and you discover that um, sicknesses come. So sicknesses from sin, from demons... From, um, from stress, from wrong diet and poor hygiene, from uh, old age, then from accidents and all that. Um, John the Baptist, his head was cut off. 
Oh, it was not a demonic attack. It was just that a, a girl danced very well. And uh, that dance was as a result of, uh, because of that dance, you know, John's head followed. So, <laughs> there can be domestic, <laughs> domestic accidents that result as of the dancing, you know. Uh, you know, so that's, that death was caused by dancing. So, you can put that. Okay. All right. So, we have all of these as the source of sicknesses. Um, on Sunday, we're going to deal with the atonement. What did Jesus do on the cross to reverse all of this? So we understand that there are also natural causes of sicknesses, sometimes genetics, okay, your gene, particular gene, and all that. So those are natural causes. So we can, we can, we can put the sources of sicknesses as two sources, spiritual and natural. So on the spiritual, would have sin and demons. On the natural, would have stress, poor hygiene condition, uh, old age, stress, and um, wrong dieting. Is that okay? Okay, it's looking like a Bible school, amen? All right, let's pray. Thank you. Father, we thank you for tonight. We ask, oh God, that uh, you just instruct us in the way of righteousness. We pray, Father God, that you just open our eyes to the subject of healing. We're willing to learn. We're willing to renew our mind. We're willing to, to be rooted and grounded in the Word of God. And we pray, Father God, for everyone here under the sound of our voice, either right here or listening to this message anywhere in the world, we ask, Father, in the name of Jesus, that there will be the healing effect of your word in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We decree and we declare that healing works in us and the very life of God works in us perfectly. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.